Bishop, just a little bit. A little bit taller. All right, that's better. I can't, I can't look on the same level as him because my neck going to be a little sore. My back might be a little sore. But good morning. Welcome to the Marketplace Movement where we reach, enhance, and advance lives. Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm Orlando, Elder Orlando Sanders, and uh, filling in for Bishop today. He's, he's uh, out with his family, so God knows. Ministry starts at home. And, you know, he gives so much of himself, but he still has kids to raise. They need to know, they look at, we look at him as Bishop or pastor, they look at him as mom, and I mean, they look at him as dad, you know, so if you're anybody that's in ministry, make sure you always take time for your family. You don't want your family hating God because you was never around on behalf of God. You can show them God by how you are in their life, so just make sure you take time for your families. I know sometimes ministry can really be just intense and we sometimes we just we go all in and our heads is just focused and sometimes it's easy to forget about family but make sure you always always are in your family's lives. We're going to get started. We're going to continue. Y'all know me, the ones that do. I like to joke. This is how I get comfortable, and I feel like I'm around family, so I can get comfortable with my family. And when I found, when I found out that I had to teach today, I'm always, like, I just be praying, I go before the Lord, and I'm like, God, you know, I'm so busy. What do you want me to say? And why, why me, God? And God is like, because I said so. Like how many of you have ever had the parents that just when you ask them why, they say, because I said so. So God said, okay, because I said so. I said, okay, God, well, I'm about to have a message for your people. This is what he gave me. Read your Bible. Do what it says. All right, we can go home now. <laughs> it would be nice if it was that easy. But let me switch mics. Thank you. We've been learning about living the standard. That's where Bishop has had us, I think, since the beginning of the year. We're living the standard. And we've come to a part to where we're learning about initiating an encounter. If you really want to live the standard, you have to initiate an encounter with God. It's God's standard that we're trying to live up to. So if we're trying to live up to his standard, it only makes sense that we actually have an encounter and a relationship with him. The only way, or one of the only ways, but you have to have this way to actually initiate an encounter is through prayer. We can only initiate encounters through prayer. If you don't pray, you will not be initiating, initiating an encounter. So I was praying and Lord, he gave me these truths about us having a spiritual encounter. All right, one of them is some of us have never had 
an encounter or even desired one. Some of us didn't know that we needed an encounter to even desire an encounter. Number two, we have had an encounter, but we didn't remain in a proper posture to maintain that level of communication and relationship with him. How many of us can say that's where we are? We've had an encounter. When we had that encounter, it changed us. But the things we did to obtain the encounter, we didn't maintain those things to keep the encounter. We didn't maintain those. It's like a relationship. What they always say, what you did to get her is what you got to do to keep her. And you need to do even more. A lot of us, we got that encounter. And once we got the encounter, we felt we were done. Let's keep going. A lot of us have confused an encounter with a heightened emotional experience. For a lot of us, if we grew up in church, this is our testimony. I know for me, I went to a church where the music was banging. I mean, we had good musicians in there. The pastor, he was a really good musician. And we, we go in and we'd be like, man, we had some great church. We felt the spirit of the Lord. We felt his presence. But then you ask him, well, what did you learn? And then they get, you hear crickets. Or you'd be like, well, did it change you? Because an, an encounter should change you. The encounter shouldn't just have you sweating. The encounter shouldn't just, you know, give you some steps on your step counter. The, the encounter should actually change you. You should come out different from when you went in. So a lot of us, we've been in these very heightened emotional experiences and people are crying out, but then they're leaving with the exact same thing they was crying for. This is another one he gave me. We desire an encounter, but have, but have been struggling on how to initiate one. We desire one, we want one, because we see what the encounter does. We've seen people who've had encounters, so we want one ourselves, but we don't know how to initiate it. So this is where we was, this is a little recap from last week. Why aren't our prayers being answered? Why aren't our prayers being answered? We need prayer to initiate an encounter. Why aren't our prayers being answered? This is still a recap from last week. We may not be praying God's will. If we need prayer to initiate an encounter, there's a possibility that we're not praying God's will. This was a scripture from last week, 1 John 5, 13 through 15. Bear with me, I'm still getting used to the clicker. <laughs> it's, it's different to teach from a clicker and notes at the same time, but I'm working with it. All right, 1 John 5, 13 through 15. These things I have written who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence. How many believe that we should have confidence when we pray? This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to whose will? According to whose will? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know 
that we have the request which we have asked from him. So a lot of us, we get stuck right here on this part. We're praying, we're coming before the Lord, we're crying out, but we're asking for our stuff. We're going to God and we're asking him, Lord, this is what I want to do. This is what I want. Will you bless this? Will you put your hands on this? But God is not obligated to bless our will. God is not obligated to even hear our will. But when we speak words that come from his mouth, when we speak what he wants, then his ears tune in to what he because he's hearing what he recognizes. He's hearing what he spoke. We need to pray the will of God. When we're praying the will of God, we're speaking the things of God. We've, we've been laying before the Lord and we figured out, God, what do you want? We've taken time. It's like I always use my, my wife as an example for different things. And one of our things is she always be like, what do you want to eat? <laughs> I'm sure a lot of y'all had to deal with this. She never knows what she wants to eat. But me being around her long enough, I can actually pick something knowing that this is what she's going to enjoy. Most of the time we go out to eat, I pick something, she gets something, she ends up eating mine. So I make sure I order something that's big enough for the both of us. <laughs> but a lot of us, we're guessing when it comes to God versus really getting enough to know, okay, this is what God really wants. This is what he, we, we hear the, you know, we're in church and we hear different stuff on the radio. We see different people talking on social media and they're always trying to say, this is what God wants. This is what God wants. God wants, this is what God is saying. But no, you go to God and God will actually let you know what his will is. So this is recap. This is where we're getting today. Another reason why our prayers may not be answered or may go unanswered are our lifestyles create a breach in our communication with God. Our lifestyles create a breach in our communication. How many know prayer is communication with God? Prayer is communication. We're having a conversation. But in order for there to be a conversation, there one, there one, you have to actually have, you know, both of us need to be talking. Not a monologue, it's a dialogue. A lot of us, when we go to God and we call ourselves praying, we're only doing the talking and we're not doing enough listening. We're going before the, we, we, we say, well, I've been before, I've been before God all, you know, all this time. I, I spent so many hours in the word. I spent so many hours on my face, but we're only talking to God about our stuff and we're only reading for stuff that we want. We try to read scriptures to justify our wants. We don't always read to live. We read so that we can try to use those scriptures to manipulate what we want. But God is trying to get us to a level where our lifestyles don't create that breach. So this is our idea for today. We want to know how our prayers are going to allow us to get the attention of God. Because if we have to initiate this encounter, we want God's attention. How we live determines how God reacts to our prayers. All right, everybody say this to yourself. This is our declaration for the day. I want to get God's attention. Say it again. I want to get God's attention. 
and I specifically say say it to yourself because sometimes we say stuff to other people because that's what we're conditioned to do and we don't actually take it in for ourselves. We'll tell other people something believing it's for them and not for us, but this is for us. I want to get God's attention. Let's go to Psalms 34, 15 through 17. I'm glad we have the screens up here because it makes it easier for you all to, if you don't hear me, sometimes I can talk fast or I mumble, but you know, Psalms 34, 15, this is where we at. The Lord, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. This is already about attention. Remember, we want to get God's attention. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. That's where we don't want to be. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. So we go back. How we live determines how God reacts to our prayers. 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the who? So if you are not righteous, his eyes are not toward you. The eyes of the Lord. Also, his ears are open to their cries. So if you are not righteous, is his ears open to your cry? We're just going to let the word do the work. The face of the Lord is against, away from the evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. That's bad when everything about you was just cut off. <laughs> you done thought you did all this stuff. Thought you was just so great. And when God turns his face away from you, like your, the whole memory of you is gone. Because just like God can forget, he can forget your sins when you ask for forgiveness, he can forget you too. The righteous cry out. How many of us have cried out before the Lord? Not just, you know, I always imagine, when I hear this part, it always reminds me of when, when I was a kid, we were going to a, a funeral in Detroit. My mom's uncle had died. And uh, we had a Lincoln Town car. I remember it was an all-white Lincoln Town car with the, the navy blue rag top. We started doing good. My dad had just started working at GM. <laughs> I don't know why we got a four when he started working at GM, but hey, it was, it was good. So we riding up the highway, up 75. All of a sudden, the car started spinning. I mean, it just went crazy. And all I remember was my mom screaming, Jesus, Jesus. And everybody braced up. My mom screaming, Jesus. Then the car straightened out. Because when the righteous cry out, the Lord hears them. See, we got a lot of this new stuff going on where people want to, you know, they want to cry out to the universe. They want to pray to the universe. The universe ain't doing nothing for you. It's just when the righteous cry out, it's the Lord that actually is going to take hold of that car. How are you going to cry out to someone who created the universe? I mean, you're going to cry out to the universe, but you want to cry out to God who created it. That's some foolishness if you ask me. <laughs> Write this down. God requires us to take off what's nasty before we come to him. 
God is trying to get us to a level to where we're in proper alignment with him. When you're actually in proper, in proper alignment with God, you're actually one of his children. When you're one of the righteous, you're one of his children. First John, you don't have to go to this, this is not on the screens. First John 3, 9 through 10 says, no one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God. So if you're of God, if you're one of his children, when you cry out, you can, he can hear you. And if you know me, you know I love Discovery Channel and National Geographic Channel and all that. And I was watching this documentary on penguins. And it amazed me. It, it amazed me, one, because once the mother gives birth to the, the egg, she goes off and the father actually takes care of that baby until it is born. He takes care of the egg. They all huddle up together. But one thing that's when the mom goes off and she goes off to eat, and then when she comes back, the little chick is born. The chick can cry. And it's, it's a, a thousand little chicks around there, because all of them, this is mating season. So they're all together, and the chicks cry, and the mother can recognize their own chick's voice. Out of all the chicks that's around, all the little squawks you hear, if you ever watch that, you hear all types of little noises. But each mother can hear the voice of the chick and the chick can hear the voice of the mother. It's like it reminds me of when they say, you know, my sheep know my voice and a stranger they will not follow. But God actually recognizes the voice of his children just like the penguin recognizes the voice of her children. If the penguin can recognize the voice of her children, what much more when it comes to God? God shows us these little things like with the, with the penguins, when we see these examples of how the penguin can recognize their mom and the mom can recognize the penguin just to show us, like, I made the penguin. I gave the penguin that character. Why would I give a penguin a character that I don't have? If you are a child of God, when you cry out, he hears you. But we must take off some things before we come to God, we got to take off those nasty things because as long as we're, we're walking in this unrighteousness, which is nasty and filthy to God, he's not hearing us because we're not his. So God requires us to take off what's nasty before we come to him. We're in Exodus 3. We're trying to get to this place to where we can have an encounter through our prayers, and we want God to actually get the, we want God's attention when we pray. So we're trying to get clean so that when we pray, God hears us. Exodus 3, 2 through 5, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of the bush. This is Moses. Moses was out, and he was taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, his father-in-law's flock. So he's out there taking care of the flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and a blazing fire from the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that Moses turned to look, God, said, God called 
to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near me. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. How many of you know that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it? So when we're praying and we want God to come to us, now we have made holy ground for the Lord to come on. So we need to come to God clean. We can't keep coming to God any kind of way. Listen, he was a, basically, Moses was taking care of the flock. Do you know how much filth and, and nastiness that he stepped in with those sandals? He's walking around in a desert with flock. So, just, I ain't, I'm, I'm, we ain't got no kids in here. We got a couple. He was stepping in doo-doo. <laughs> God is like, before you come near me, I am holy. Where I stand is holy ground. We cannot come to God any kind of way. We want to come to God with the, the smell of our environment from yesterday. We want to come to God with the funk that we've had on from all the mess we've been getting into. But God is like, no, you need to take that off before you come to me. We need, you need to take that off. You can't come to me. I am holy. You can't come to me stanking. You can't come to me foul like that unless you're coming to ask me to clean you up. But you can't come to me any kind of way. I am a holy God. I'm not your boy. I remember those shirts, Jesus is my homeboy. No, he's not my homeboy. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. We, we reduce Jesus and we reduce God to so much that we start feeling that we can come any kind of way to him. But he's saying, no, you need to take off that nasty stuff before you come to me. This is holy ground. If you go into somebody else's house and they got white carpets, they'll make you take off your shoes before you go in their house. Why? We don't want that nasty stuff to contaminate what's clean in here. You come into God and you want to come to God contaminated. It's time that we start taking God serious. I mean, when I was a kid, you didn't come to the table and eat dinner when you've been outside, stinking all day. Your mama tell you, you smell like outside. You need to go wash your behind and get yourself together before you come to me trying to get bread off my table. And that's how we come to God trying to get bread at his table, but we want to come stinking. We want to come with everything that we've been dealing with throughout the week. Because you do know what you do throughout the week matters too. It's not just Sunday. So we come in here on Sunday and we trying to come before the Lord and we stinking. We got, we got filth in our, in our shoes, but we want God to respect us and to look at us as if we've been really trying all week. That's a lot of our problems. Our Sunday mornings don't look like our Monday through Saturday. And we come in here on Sunday mornings trying to act a different way where we really should be coming in here and we should be coming in here naked. We should be coming in here really clean and exposed to God, but no, we're trying to cover up every single thing we've done. And we want God to look at our Sunday morning experience and think this is who we are throughout the week. But God is like, no, take that off. Take that nasty off before you come to me. We got to quit playing with God. 
God is not a joke. This is the same God who said, let there be when there was nothing around and there was. This is the same God who breathed one time into the nostrils of, of Adam and we're all still breathing that same air today. We come to God as if, you know, God is just sitting up there like a comic. Like he's just drawing out comics. No, God is, is, God is the real deal. And if you don't come correct, I mean, he wiped out a whole city because there, was one, there wasn't one person in the city that was living right. I think sometimes we get to the point to where we don't fear God the right way. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We don't fear who God is. Maybe we don't know who he is sometimes. Nobody has exposed you to who God really is because we go to these persons that say, if you do this, you know, we go to these prerequisite churches. And most of the prerequisites are if you give something, if you give a certain amount of a certain offering or if you give to this person, how about you give up what's not right? How about you give up what's nasty? God doesn't hear sinners. Write this down. We want to know, okay, why aren't we getting God's attention? God does not hear sinners. He doesn't recognize that voice. God is holy. Why would he reduce himself for that? When all we got to do is step up. Isaiah 59, 1 through 3. Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, nor is his ears so dull that it cannot hear. But our iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face, has hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. We could have stopped right there. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken falsehoods. Your tongue mutters wickedness. So not only are, you know, we, we, we just out here doing bad things. We're, we're killing people with our words. We think when there's blood on us because we actually physically killed them. But how do you, some of you know you can actually verbally assassinate someone? If God has given you a fruit producer in your mouth, when you say life and death are in the power of the tongue, don't you know you can destroy someone with your words? Many of us think, if they're, oh, we didn't kill nobody. You can, I've seen it a lot with kids. You can destroy the mess out of a kid with your words. There are so many times where there's people who actually left the body of Christ because what somebody else has said to them, not done to them, have said to them. So we're trying to get to a place to where we want God to hear us, but he cannot hear us if we're sinners. If we're making a conscious life to continue to practice sin, we're making a conscious, because sin is a choice. You do not have to sin. Or he would not have told the woman caught in adultery, do not sin no more. He told her, get up, go and sin no more. So there is a choice. You don't have to do it, but you choose to do it. If you make a lifestyle of this, don't expect God to hear you. Don't expect you to get his attention. We're just going to keep on going through the word. We must turn from sin to get God's attention. 
We must turn from sin. That means when you turn, you start going the opposite direction. Some of us, if sin is right here, we'll turn and we'll just start going backwards and we'll take a peek. So we change how we sin or how we encounter sin. God is not wanting you to change how you encounter sin. He wants you to turn from sin. We be thinking we fooling God because we're fooling people around us. I mean, I work with kids, and it's funny how when you tell them to stop doing something, I've seen them do two things. When you tell them to stop, they'll close their eyes. <laughs> they'll close their eyes, and they'll do it real slow. And you'd be like, I still see you. That's how we do God. God be like, stop. You just be like. <laughs> we start inching towards sin slower like it's a like God is a dog and if you move slow they don't see you as much or something. That's what we used to tell us when we was a kid. If you was getting chased by a dog, stop running. If you stop running, he won't see you. <laughs> no, that dog still see you and he smell you. And he's still gonna bite you. <laughs> That's how sin is. Just because you start doing it slower, sin is still gonna destroy your life. You may stop doing one thing. But the way sin is, it'll take you farther than you want to go. It'll cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. It would, it would destroy your whole life. And then when it's done with you, it'll just move on to the next person. Because that's how the devil works. He deceives you into thinking that when you're sinning, you're accomplishing something. I'm giving you something that you always wanted. And one thing that I remember Bishop telling me one time, he said, the devil will use you, then he'll kill you. And if you live a life of sin so much, he'll kill you. And if you die in that state, then you've lost forever. God is trying to get us to a level to where we're, we're not trying to sin less. We're trying to not sin at all. Second Chronicles 2, I mean, Second Chronicles 7 13 through 14. Y'all know this. This is very, a very common scripture. You know, starting at 13. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or I send pestilence among my people, this is the part where we always start. And my people who are called by my name humble themselves. So some of us, we can get that part down. We, want to, we, we can humble ourselves because we know God hates the proud. So we like, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm humble myself. Some of us, we get real like super southern church. I'm going to humble myself. <laughs> I'm going I'm to get low before the Lord. But he's saying, if people are called by my name or humble themselves, pray. We can pray the most eloquent prayers where I was raised in the church when, when the deacon get to pray, he go and he comes down to the end of the line and he shake every other deacon's hand and he start off, the God of Isaac, Abraham and Jacob and all that. They prayed the most eloquent prayers, but then still there was no power. You can pray the most eloquent prayers. You can seek the face of the Lord. You can get in your Bible and read because there's a lot of Bible scholars that's messed up out here. 
But he said, if they seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, it was after they turned from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and will heal their land. Heal their land. That's where we got to be. We got to get to the place to where we're turning from sin. We get to this place to where God is trying to take us to another level in him. But if you continue to walk in sin, he's not hearing you. If you continue to walk in sin, we got to, you're not in that right relationship with God. So, okay, we're there now. We're praying. We've gotten ourselves together. This goes back to the point of having the, the um, we've been in the heightened emotional experiences. So write this down. Being in the presence of God is not the same as having an encounter. Some of us feel like this is why we've been praying for something and we come to church and we feel like just because the atmosphere is right, we've been praying, even though we've been sinning, we feel like the atmosphere is right, well, I must have had an encounter so I can keep doing what I'm doing. No, being in the presence of God is not the same as having an encounter. So you think just because, you think you're getting away because you're praying and you're starting to see signs and wonders and stuff around you. Because a lot of us, we blend in well. We blend in well. There's, there's people in here who God, he actually comes down and have encounters with them in our presence. And we think just because he did something for them that we're on the same level. God will allow you to see what you can't have until you do what you're supposed to do. He will allow you to see what you can have until you do what you're supposed to do. I remember, as I always go back to my childhood, there were some things I was entitled to. There were some things that my, my parents wanted to give me, but I had to clean my room and stuff like that. I had to do these things in order to receive what was there for me. An encounter is there for you. He'll show other people having an encounter. Their lives will be changing. You'll see that, but you'll never be able, to be able to obtain that until you do what they did to get it, which was get their life in order. We can't keep coming to God expecting God to give something to us that we don't deserve. And then we throw fits and we get mad at God and we want to leave church because our God ain't real. No, you're not right. Quit blaming God because you're not mature enough to get what God has for you. It's not God's fault when you don't get what you're supposed to get because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. You can't get mad at the teacher if you get an F on the test because you didn't study. See, this is another thing I'm coming against, that new age stuff now with these kids in schools where every time the kid is getting in trouble or the kid is failing, they want to blame the teachers. No. Quit blaming the teachers because you didn't sit down and do the homework with your child. We getting mad at we leaving churches because we're not getting certain places. We're leaving God because we're not getting certain places where we think we should be. But you're not doing the work that you have to do. We want to drive cars and we want to get our driver's license, but we ain't never sat behind the wheel. You want to jump and get your, get your driver's license, but you don't even have a permit yet. You haven't done the basics of taking the test to get the permit to say, okay, I know a little bit about something. 
We're trying to get great things from God, but we don't want to do the little bit of something to get what we need to get. Being in the presence of God is not the same as having an encounter. Mark 5. This is my last point. Y'all know me. I, go, I come in. We get, we get the word. We let the word do the work. And I go sit down. I'll let God deal with you. I'm going to tell you what God told me to tell you. Because that's what I'm held accountable for. I'm not held accountable for what you do with it after that. So I give you the word what God told me to give. And we go back to my first slide. Read your Bibles. Do what it says. Let's go home. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you like he gave it to me. And I'm going to go home. Mark 5, 25. We're going to be reading for a minute. We know this story. A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had all she had, and was not helped at all. This sounds like some of us. We go around God to try to get the results of God. There's too many of us. When we're going through, what do we do? We put a post on Facebook. Y'all pray for me. Not knowing that some of them people y'all telling to pray can't get a, a prayer through a paper bag with a hole in it. Quit telling everybody to pray for you when you don't... Some of these people y'all telling to pray for y'all, they're living the same foul life that you live in. So if you can't get a prayer through because you're foul, how do you think they're going to get a prayer through when they're foul as well? You know a tree by its fruit, not by its post. You know a tree by what, what it produces. An apple tree doesn't have to put a sign up saying I'm an apple tree. It produces apples. So just because somebody can make a good post don't mean that they actually can get a prayer through God. It just reminds me of these rappers. They, they rap and then, you know, they, what they talk about in all these songs. Then they get on stage when they win an award and be like, I want to thank God. God didn't have nothing to do with that. I, I, I promise you, God didn't have nothing to do with you writing them lyrics. Them lyrics don't even glorify God. God ain't going to have nothing to do with nothing that don't glorify him. But that's what we're doing. We... we we, have, we get around our friends and our peers, and some of us, we may be doing better then, so we elevate ourselves in our own eyes, and we thinking we're better, but we're still just as jacked up. So we're, she was going to the physician. She's going to many people. She's spending every single thing she had. That sounds like, you know, we don't want to actually get our lives together. We want to invest in some miracle prayer water. We want a miracle cloth that's been prayed over by Peter Popeye. <laughs> Popoff, whatever his name is. That's what we're doing. We're not trying to go to the source. We're trying to go around the source. After hearing about Jesus, oh, now she's come too. She heard about Jesus and she, and she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her afflictions. So she was going around to the different doctors and everything. But then she hears about God. She hears about Jesus. And that's what we do. We, we go around 
And then we, we, like I said, we, we go around the source. But if we go directly to the source, some of us can actually get healed faster. Some of us can be free faster. It's like we don't want to look stupid. And you got to understand, in this time, she shouldn't have been out amongst the people. Because tradition told her that you're unclean, so you need to stay away from the city. Too many of us are actually following church traditions. Too many of us are following too many traditions that has nothing to do with God. We're not going directly to God. We're going around God because this is what the person said do. So we're forfeiting on what we can have because we won't be radical and just go straight to God for what we need. Immediately the blood flow was dried up. Go here. Immediately Jesus perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? So if there was a crowd, that means there was a lot of other people in the presence. There was a lot of other people in the presence of Jesus. What was it about this woman that she had an encounter while she was in the presence that everybody else that was in the presence didn't have the same encounter. It just shows we can all be in here and the spirit can fall. You can be here and you cannot get it. Because what you have to do, you have to break what you've heard, the norms, the traditions. You have to go against everything that, you know, Facebook has said because Facebook is not Jesus. You have to be willing to look stupid. You have to be willing to get shunned away from your friends. She didn't care what nobody else thought. Too many of us, we can't get what God has for us because we care how we're going to look amongst our friends. Too many of us, we're not willing to separate. We're not willing to be alone. We're not willing to have people turn their backs on us. But if God is for you, who can be against you? Stop worrying about how many mentions you have. Stop worrying about how many likes you get. Start worrying about if Jesus likes you. Start worrying about if Jesus wants you. Start worrying about if he accepts you. Because all these mentions and stuff won't get you into heaven. All these mentions won't allow you to have an encounter. You can have the most followers on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you can still go to hell. Just because you can have manufacture some type of, you know, some type of experience because we've been in church long enough to do that. We know when to cry, when to shout, when to jump. But do you really know how to get to God? Quit trying to look the part and be the part. Quit trying to, I don't care what none of y'all think of me no more. It's like I used to always wonder how people felt about me. I don't care. All I care about is, at the end of the day, can I have an encounter? If y'all don't want an encounter, that's on y'all. I don't want to be the one that when God comes down and he's trying to do something for his people that I miss out because I'm worried about what y'all feel about me. How radical can you be for God? Because there's the encounter when you're radical. The encounter is not trying to blend in. This isn't in your notes, but we always want to know, how do we know if we're living righteous? You can turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6. 
1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Because what we're trying to do, we're trying to be real about this thing. It's time out for, for playing around. It's too many people out here dying, young and old. And we can actually reach some of these people and save some of them. But no, we can, we're too busy trying to be popular and fit in. We want to have an encounter. So it's like when we have an encounter, you'll never, you, the reason why some of us don't care about having encounters, because we've never been around somebody who has had one. When you see how an encounter changes somebody else's life, then you're like, ooh, I want that for myself. I want that for myself. Because what an encounter would do is when you're facing death, that encounter would be the one that will cold their arms around you. I've been there where I'm, I'm looking death in the eye and I can feel the presence of God like, Lord, he's like, son, I got you. I'm going to hold on to you. The encounter changes you. It changes your perspective. You don't, when Moses came out of, out of the mountain after he had led the people from uh, Pharaoh in Egypt, when he came out of the mountain, his hair had changed colors because the encounter actually changed something. You shouldn't look the same way that you did before the encounter. A lot of us have never seen a genuine encounter, so we don't desire one. But the real encounter is how you really get free from this stuff. Anything you're dealing with that you've been struggling with, you can be free if you have an encounter. But you have to be willing to strip away all that nasty stuff. You can't go into the encounter with what you're holding on to. All right, so we're at 1 Corinthians 6. This is my last scripture. 6, we're going to go. Um, this is from the Amplified Translation, so it may read a little different. Do you not know that the righteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infeminate by perversions, nor those who participate in homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, uh, whose words are used as weapons to abuse, insult, humiliate, intimidate, or slander, nor swindlers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom. So if you're participating in this on a regular basis, you have made this your life. If you have, you look at this list, this is your life. And you're trying to pray. That prayer is not going anywhere because you're not a righteous person. You have made a conscious decision to continue to walk in unrighteousness. God is trying to get us to a place to where we let this stuff go so that we can get to the level where he wants to get us, where he can show us more revelation, where he can cover every single one of our needs. This was the end of that one. Again, let's keep going. Oh, this is part of uh, the other one. Let me pass this. How we live determines how God reacts to our prayers. This is where we're trying to get. Get your life in order. You cannot continue to live any kind of way and expect God to have an encounter with you. If you're ready, you can stand up. I'm done. I'm about to pray. Just stand up because we're trying to get to this place to where...